A reading from 1 Corinthians. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has God has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. We've come tonight to celebrate failure. We've come tonight to celebrate a failure. You know, as one commentator said, at the end of Jesus' life, he cried out from the cross, it is finished. So it must have been a success. But by human standards, his ministry at that point would have been judged a failure. You know, by human standards, what we saw and what we see on Good Friday was a failure. By human wisdom, Jesus' ministry seemed to end in defeat. By human wisdom, Jesus and his followers all ended on the wrong side of history. Jesus was killed like a common criminal. He was strapped in the electric chair. He was locked in the gas chamber. The needle was slid into his arm and he died by lethal injection. You know, we generally don't esteem people who die by those modes. And neither was a person esteemed who died on a cross. In fact, in the Jewish understanding, to die on a cross, they believed that you were cursed by God. Moses had written in Deuteronomy 21:23. Anyone who's hung on a cross is under God's curse. So to all worldly standards and worldly observations, what happened on Good Friday looks like a giant failure. And just as you and I would never strap an electric chair or a lethal injection needle on a chain around our necks, neither would the early Christians have ever worn a cross on a chain around their necks because the cross was so shameful. In, in fact, according to church history, it wasn't until over a century after Jesus' death that the church began to adopt the cross as a symbol of our faith because the cross was so scandalous and in the eyes of the world was such a mark of failure. According to the wisdom of this world, the cross was failure and shame. And so it is that Paul wrote in verse 23 of what Ashley just read for us, Christ crucified was a stumbling block to the Jewish people. You know, the Greek word that's, trans that's translated there as stumbling block is the word scandalon. It's where we get our word scandal. So the cross was scandalous. According to the wisdom of the world, the message of the cross is scandalous. It's a disgrace. It's an offense. It's an outrage. It's utter lunacy. It's insanity. It's foolishness. According to human wisdom... Jesus was a failure. So to follow him would be the height of foolishness. Because in his ministry, Jesus didn't come and become the greatest. 
He didn't exalt himself. He didn't climb the ladder of popularity, influence, or power. And he left behind a small band of followers who at his moment of greatest need, they all abandoned him. According to worldly wisdom and worldly observation, what happened on Good Friday was a failure. And it would be scandalous, scandalous foolishness to follow him. In fact, Paul writes in verse 23 that Christ crucified was folly to the Gentiles. The Greek word here is moria, from which we get our English word moron. Five times in these eight verses that Ashley just read for us, the Apostle Paul uses a form of that Greek verb, foolishness, folly. Basically, he's saying those who cling to the foolishness of the cross risk looking like morons. Because according to the wisdom of the world, it looks foolish. Why would you follow a man who died upon a cross, who according to all the world's standards seems to be an utter failure? It's just scandalous. It's it's foolishness. And you know why the cross appears so foolish to the world? They just don't understand it. You know, it doesn't make any sense because if human wisdom had devised a plan to save the world, that plan would look nothing like the cross of Jesus Christ. I mean, at the cross of Jesus Christ, we believe that God's plan of salvation sent a perfect and an innocent victim to the cross to suffer and die in place of blatantly guilty and ungrateful people. Romans 5 says that while we were still God's enemies, Christ died on the cross for us. And that's foolishness. You know, if salvation was our plan, if it was designed according to human wisdom, it would be most of all fair. I don't know about you, but I hear that in my household all the time. It's not fair. It's not fair. And I'll be honest, I don't just hear it in my household. I, I hear that in my heart often, too. Maybe, maybe your heart struggles with that, too. It's just not fair. If we designed a plan of salvation, we would have made it fair. You know, fair means if you break it, you buy it. You reap what you sow, you get what you deserve. Each one pays for his or her own sins. But the cross, that's foolishness. Because what that says is that the guilty are set free. It justifies the ungodly. It calls the filthy clean. That's just foolish. Because if this was our plan, if we had designed salvation, then forgiveness would have gone to those people that just deserved it. You know, the people that would clean themselves up and pull themselves up by their religious bootstraps, who'd done enough good to tip the scales in their favor, who'd earned their way to forgiveness. And interestingly, isn't that actually what every other religion and philosophy in the world teaches? Every other religion and philosophy in the world offers good advice on how to do better, on how to please God, on how to clean yourself up. But the message of the cross sounds foolish because it's not good advice about what we must do. It's the foolish good news that Jesus has already done it. He died on the cross and he rose from the dead for us. If this was a plan that was based upon our wisdom that we wrote and we created, it would be all about me. But the message of the cross is all about he. Not about me. The message of the cross is a foolish hope. It's a foolish hope that you and I could be loved, not for what we've done, but loved because of what Christ has done for us. Friends, the foolishness of the cross is an affront to all of our human strength and wisdom because it's not about what we can do or what we must do because it says we just can't do it. 
It says that we can't do it. We can't be good enough. We can't tip the scales in our favor. We can't clean ourselves up enough to make ourselves presentable to God. So God sent Jesus to do it for us. In Jesus' death and resurrection, we find that God is not fair. God's not fair. But He's just. At the cross, we don't get what we fairly deserve. Because if we got what we fairly deserved, it wouldn't be pretty. At the cross, we don't get what we fairly deserve. Instead, Jesus paid the price for our sins and He satisfied the demands of justice for us. We find the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Grace is extended to all people, not just those who've cleaned themselves up or made themselves good enough. And we discover at the cross that salvation is freely granted by God's grace, not human work or merit. This is foolishness according to the way the world operates. Because we want to work for it and earn it and deserve it. We want it to be fair. But God is not fair. He's just. And more than that, He's gracious. So the word of the cross is folly. It's foolishness to those that are perishing. But to us who are being saved, Paul writes, it's the power of God. Because friends, we foolishly believe that the cross was not failure, but it was finality. We foolishly believe that the cross is not scandalous, but it's glorious. We foolishly cling to the belief that the cross was not tragedy, it's triumph. Our foolish hope is not in what we have done or in what you and I will ever do. Our foolish hope is that Jesus has done it for us. Our foolish hope is an old rugged cross stained with blood so divine that in dying with Christ, my sin and my old life is paid for, it's dead and gone, and I'm freed from it. Our foolish hope is that the tomb was empty that first Easter morning and rising with Christ, we now live a new life in Him. It's foolishness to human wisdom. However, as Paul wrote in verse 18, to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Friends, others might look upon the cross of Jesus Christ and say it seems like foolishness and deem us as fools. But the cross is the power of God for salvation. It is precious. It is beautiful. It is hope. It is freedom. It is peace. It's just the kind of foolishness that you and I need. And as Paul wrote here and Ashley read for us, God refuses to submit to our human wisdom. He instead demands that we submit to the foolish and wonderful wisdom of His plan. Verse 21 says, For since the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through its wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. It pleased God through the foolishness of what we preach, through the foolishness of the cross, to save those who believe. Musician and theologian Michael Card composed a song about Jesus, and he called it God's Own Fool. He sings, We in our foolishness thought we were wise. So he played the fool, and he opened our eyes. When we in our weakness believed we were strong, he became helpless. To show we were wrong. And so we now follow God's own fool. For only the foolish can tell. Believe the unbelievable. And come be a fool as well. And so on this, April 1st, which is 
April Fool's Day? Will you heed the invitation to come be a fool as well? And to trust in the foolishness and the beautiful hope of the cross of Jesus Christ. Because one day, friends, one day every one of us is going to be judged on the question of whether or not we trusted what Jesus Christ has done for us. And at that time, we're either going to be declared fools for having believed it, or declared fools for not having believed it. And who do you think is going to have the last laugh? Come, be a fool as well. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the foolishness. The foolishness of Jesus' cross. Thank you for the hope that it gives us. Thank you for the forgiveness that has come. And thank you most of all that you're not fair and that you don't give us what we fairly deserve. But rather you pour out abundantly upon us your grace. Grace sufficient for our needs. Lord, we give you thanks. We give you honor. We give you praise. And we give our lives to follow you, God's own fool. Lord, thank you.